When the post game ends, the post game podcast begins. It is, of course, going to be a discussion beyond the podcast and with you, the fans. And tonight, Cam Thomas injury update that says the young star can be back on the court sooner than later. What does it mean for Brooklyn as they continue to try to push their way up the Eastern Conference standings? We dive in coming up next. You are locked on Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast, right here Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets. He's Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Arnbrecht. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms, and it is the post podcast podcast where Doug, in addition to letting everybody know, as we always do at locked on nets to get your questions up, we'll star them. We'll get in with you guys, the faithful showing up every single time for these, but cam Thomas injury update. Gotta get you pretty excited that the Brooklyn nets are going to get back their leading score. That's right. Their leading scorer sooner than later. Yeah. Uh, pre-game stuff from Jacques Vaughn gave a couple injury updates on uh, Cam Thomas and Dennis Smith Jr. Nothing on Ben Simmons, but um, did say that uh, Thomas had begun on court, on court scrimmaging. I got there and uh, had really, really ramped up basketball activities, did not give a clear day, but said that the return was soon. I, if we're reading between the lines on this with this kind of language, my guess is that the return is Saturday against Orlando possibly see him as early as Charlotte on Thursday. I don't think it goes beyond that. Um, now, look, there's a little weirdness with the schedule because with the in-season tournament, like they don't have games scheduled between the 2nd and the 11th right now. There are going to be games then. Right. But once once this in-season tournament works out, I'm pretty sure they're going to fill in these nine days with just like who was they, – they just didn't know who was going to be going where. Right. So there is – if you look at the schedule, there's a gap, but there's not really a gap. Um, I, my – again – just guessing around this stuff around when this when coaches and when everyone feels comfortable to start talking about injury stuff when it comes to soon that usually means a game or two and so i think at the very latest right now we will see cam thomas saturday against orlando with the outside chance and i'd love to be wrong here but this would be great the chance to see him thursday against charlotte so i think all signs are pointing and trending in the right direction with cam they could really use him back um and I just we just want to be able to see him play basketball again. So really cool news. Yeah, I mean it's, it's so funny, man, to have the start of this season. And obviously, we know we mentioned you know leading the team in scoring prior to the injury uh, with 27 points per game. But but then we get you know it was eight games played, seven games started, and, and then it gets ripped away from you. And for for a fan base that's been clamoring for this now, going all the way back to last year, right? Why isn't he getting minutes? Why isn't he getting a role? It feels like it was taken away just before you could really start to ramp up. My hope is here, whether it is Thursday or Saturday that once he steps back on the court, we just talked about this in our last episode, Doug, some of the decisions for Jacques Vaughn have been taken out of his hands, right? In terms of the pressure of how you want to make the starting unit rotations. Well, guess what? You're about to have a big decision to make. And hopefully we see Cam Thomas be inserted directly into the starting lineup, though we he could come off the bench. There's a case for that and fans would hate it. I just think, you know, that he can help not just Mikhail Bridges, not just the perimeter shooters and the ISO situations. It just seems too easy to say a team that's now nine and eight and hopefully 10 and eight after Charlotte, this guy can actually help you sustain being above 500 going forward as well. Yeah. I bet he comes off the bench to start and they're going to say, does, yes. 
and I and I and they're gonna say something like we're managing his his minutes on his return, and it's gonna be like that one little out where they're gonna say something. That's my guess, and it's gonna be like we'll give ourselves one more game just to kind of see what happens, and we're managing his minutes, and we're working it back into action. And it's much easier to manage someone's minutes when they're returning from you know an injury, and they, oh, excuse me, and when they come off the bench. So, yeah. I guess I, I think they're gonna kick the problem one more day down the road is my guess. Um, and then I th- I think they're gonna have a real pro- real question on their hands. I think you will see like real vitriol if he just goes back to be a bench guy, <laughs> right? Yeah, like yeah. if he's like a coming off the if he's coming off the bench. That being said. It's sometimes tough to know exactly who to move into onto the bench out of this group that I just said before has been a plus basketball well. group for a lot of minutes now. And yeah. um, and it's hard to look other guys in the eye. And and whoever you move, it's funny about how the way the, the team is set up now. Who, how, whoever you move, you are moving like sort of a key. Like the Nets have guys who like everyone kind of fits a role and they don't really have a lot of other guys that do the same things. Mm-hmm. So anyone you move to the bench, you're going to lose some kind of skill <laughs> that you really, yeah. like Cam yeah. Thomas isn't necessarily replacing, even though he's better at really basically at anyone that's scoring, right? Because anyone that you move out of the starting lineup now in favor of Cam Thomas, I can tell you exactly what you're missing or like what the problem would be with the yeah. understanding that the scoring would be improved. Well, by the way, and, and I'll round it out this way. And I know it, some, sometimes this matters more to fans than others. He, he's averaging he's averaging 32 and a half minutes, 33 minutes a game. As long as he averages 33 minutes a game, not in the first game back necessarily, as long as I'm getting 33 minutes to plus from Cam Thomas, I don't care whether he starts or not. It's about him being on the court to be able to be productive. And I think that that may end up being a little bit of the short-term theme, at least, when you talk about some of the things you lose if you're going to take out. By the way, who are you taking out? Right, That's Spencer what I mean. Dinwiddie? Well, where's the ball handling go, right? Cam- Cameron Johnson, whether the contract or not, well, now you're losing some of the size and some of the defensive ability. So it's not a knock on Cam Thomas. He is this singular electric scoring talent, but that right now, that is his function. And so you can you can move that around. You can move Lonnie Rock- Walker around wherever you want to because he can get you some buckets from the outside and drive to the basket a little bit coming off the bench. That's what Cam Thomas is. I think it actually should be a good thing for Nets fans to know He'll be able to play with anybody and be able to take over games whenever you ask him to. And that might be even more valuable coming off the bench than inside the starting unit. Yeah. The one pushback I would give there is that if you are coming off the bench, it's very difficult to get the 30 minutes, Uh, like only just because the math gets really tough. One, it's like, it doesn't build in a break for you. So let's say you sit out the first five minutes, right? Well, there's only 42 minutes left right in the game uh, for you to be able to play. So you're going to, if that if your first rotation is to be like off the bench, like at the five minute mark, so that's your 43 minutes, like now there's very little wiggle room to like get you rest during the game. So like that's, that's why you really don't see bench guys really ever getting to 30. Like the, the and there's a few cases where some like Tyler Hero a few years ago where they yeah. just refused to start him, like that guy would get close. But right now in the NBA, uh, there's nobody. I'm just trying to think. I do this. I mean, I do this every single night. So th- I, there's no one. When I project bench minutes, I don't it really ever like take cap. anyone. What's that? What's like the cap that you almost never clear with a bench? I record? almost never clear like 24. Sometimes we'll go to like 26 on like a Christian Brown, right? Like a guy like that with hero and ba- hero. I would do it. IQ like quickly. He gets to 25, 26, something right. like that. 
but like it's it's pretty rare um for for teams that aren't like going through injuries and that are and and that are you know pretty set in stone with their rotations you just don't see it now again it's not impossible uh, i'm just telling you that it doesn't like Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's another guy. He like, he can push it. Like it's very consistent. So it can be done. I'm not saying that I'm just saying it takes more of a concentrated effort to do it. It has to be like your core set rotation that everyone sort of bought in on. Mm. And that's all I'm saying. I, I'm not, yeah. I, believe me, I'm not saying it's impossible. It can happen. It actually happens more with these combo guards. Like Levert can kind of get there at times. Uh, yeah. Coming off the bench for Cleveland when everyone's healthy. I'm just kind of scrolling through the teams to see. Like, just sometimes it's hard for me off the top of my head to remember all the guys. And, and, but, and like, but those are those are the kind of guys. Those are the kind of guys. So it can be done. I'm just telling you that it's just like not a real commonplace thing in the NBA for sure. Well, and I think ultimately, like it would take some some intentional approach to. Again, we said this about, um, you know, Nicholas Claxton, who starts or Ben Simmons, right? Symbolic gesture here versus who's going to finish the games out. It can be that Spencer Dinwiddie starts, but that ultimately by the time you get to half and you come out in the third and fourth quarters, it's going to transition a little bit more to Cam Thomas. And by the way, I, I can't one-to-one that as being that's the player you take out because without a Ben Simmons, you actually want to have probably a Spencer Dinwiddie on the court to help set up Cam Thomas a little bit as well. So it's a funky thing to figure out. The bottom line is, Knowing that he'll be back, and that's the problem that you know, quote unquote, problem that Jock Vaughn is going to have to address. Great, have that problem, try to figure that out, and ultimately, let's just see Cam Thomas pick up where he left off, right? Because he only had basically one off night in those first eight games and those first seven starts, one off shooting night. That means that it gave us the sense this is a repeatable process. Coming up here in a second, though, guys. It is the post podcast podcast, and that means it's about you boys. And we've got a whole and, and ladies, we've got a whole slew of starred comments and questions that we're going to get to. And we'll dive into that in just one moment. All right, before we get to that, I'll tell you again about our friends over on FanDuel, where new customers are getting $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. The money line, you're just you're picking the winner. Now you're going to pay some odds on that. You know, maybe you want to go underdog. Good thing. Hopefully, you wouldn't have gone Toronto, go against our Brooklyn Nets with the team from the on the road. But maybe you went with the Brooklyn Nets uh, going in tonight at minus 133, 135 on that money line. If you're a new customer over at FanDuel, you won that bet. You got $150 in bonus bets for you to use any way you like. That's all that's what you're going for. Your team wins, you get the 150 bucks in bonus bets. You're good to go. Spreads over unders, player props, so much more. You can just drill down right inside the game. Do player combos like points, rebounds, assists. Those are my favorite. Those are really tied to minutes. So you know, want to get into the action, go do the points plus rebounds plus assists over at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get in, in the action this NBA season. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. All right, so as we continue our post-podcast podcast, talking about Cam Thomas, talking about where we think this team is going, and then talking about you, the fans. we got a whole bunch of these, Doug, start up here. So I'm, I'm going to start to roll through them. You can jump in if there's a particular one that you wanted to get in on. <laughs> this one just came up here last second, so I'm just going to highlight it real quick. I don't trust JV with Cam Thomas. I don't blame you. I don't blame Listen, you. I was going to say, Doug and I at, at times can feel like we are, we are the last line of defense against sometimes the onslaught against Jacques Vaughn. There's been some case studies over the last season or so that Jacques Vaughn is in the way of young players and just kind of unleashing them. I, I will say that if we want to believe that Jacques Vaughn and the organization was like, hey, there's certain things we need to see from you, right? Just fundamental stuff, off day stuff, practice stuff, whether or not it feels like it took longer than it should have, they seem to have crossed that threshold with Cam Thomas. So I, I'm optimistic that there is not a Jacques Vaughn concern 
when it comes to, to Cam Thomas and his role just growing here over the course of this season. I don't blame people for being worried about it, though, because no, we no. went through multiple seasons of this, and it's like we've talked about it last episode when we were grading Jacques Vaughn, talking about you know what a problem a, pro a problem we thought he had was that like sometimes he gets too stuck on certain guys and doesn't yeah. want to play some of the younger guys, and we've seen that sort of or you know becomes a little stuck in his rotations or doesn't want to make too many changes like that. And I, I don't blame you for being worried about this with Cam. I, I think it's gonna be fascinating to see what happens. Um, and I. Yeah, I think there's going to be – my guess is there's going to be sort of uh, consternation around whatever happens, right. but there will be a significant amount of it if Cam is like – this is not – I don't think it's going to happen, but if you came back off the bench and was playing like 22 minutes or something like that. Right. I, I really don't think there's, that's going to happen, but the fact that it's even in the range of outcomes because of Jacques Vaughn like, probably should be discussed. Of course. <laughs> I don't think it's crazy. It's not, it's, you, you can't put that at a 0% chance knowing Vaughn's history with some of this stuff. No, 100%. So we'll see as he gets back out on the court. Hit this one quickly here just from Nader, frequent flyer. When Royce is hitting shots, it feels like we can't lose. His shots give us such a momentum boost. There's certain guys like this. I mean, we talk about uh, Dorian Finney-Smith being a little bit of a gritty guy. Dennis Smith Jr. has that attitude, even though he hasn't been able to be healthy. Royce O'Neal, like he... <laughs> He certainly does have a demonstrative nature about him when he's on. Like when he's on and knocking down these shots, it does feel like for a 30 plus year old guy who is now a, a bench player for this team was supposed to be superstar supporter, you know, just a season, a season ago. He, he, when he is locked in, gives you a really great performance. The other side of that coin has been disappearing acts where you go, well, this is why a 30 year old coming off the bench can't be relied on. Tonight was one of those nights. It was great to see it. Yeah, I don't get that feeling from him, but I know what you mean, probably. I kind of feel like that about every... I just think that three-point shooting is super streaky and with high variance. When guys are on, just, everybody kind of gets jacked up on it. And it's just always going to feel like that with everybody because it's just the nature of the three-point shot. The nature right. of the three-point shot is like you hit it somewhere around 30% of the time. That means like somewhere around 65% of the time you're pissed off. Right. <laughs> yeah, you only, only get this feeling one out of every three times. I'm often. Exactly. Like, right. Exactly. So <laughs> you're going to feel pissed off about it and it's going to feel like that happened. But when you lump them together, it's going to feel like just the greatest high in the world. And so I get the feeling. I don't particularly feel that about him, but um, I definitely know what you mean. Johnny frequent flyer. I know we're, we're good friends now, so I nickname him Johnny. Hey, fellas, depending on a Ben Simmons situation, do you think Brooklyn would take a big swing and trade Simmons and three first round oh. picks for Pascal Siakam? Oh, well, God. Doug, you starred this one. Now, I could give my opinion, but I'll let you I think you I just read it. the depending. I didn't read. I don't think I read all the way through it. I thought you against you, Jonathan. I would never do that. You can't do this. Well, no, no yeah. I, one one Toronto. I wouldn't do it, but you can't. Siakam's old. He, like I think that kind of gets lost. Um, let me just make sure. Is he 31 now? I'll double check. I think he's 30 going to be 31 at a minimum. Okay, yeah. So, is that are you guessing at that, or you know that? No, no, I know, I know he's thirty. I know he's thirty. No, no. Okay, uh, yeah, right. So he is thirty, and no, no, he's sorry, he's twenty nine. He's gonna be thirty oh, this year. Oh, Doug, you'll be you'll be signing him in his age 30, 31 season. I mean, this these guys are just on the downslope. You, I don't think you can do it. Now, I know what you're saying, like attach assets to get out of the Simmons thing, but Siakam's just a free agent, so I don't think that this is a trade. I don't think this is a trade. Um that i would do no so we can That's move out from this one. I, I, i'm almost embarrassed because i almost was, was positive that he was 30 years old i said it confidently well, that's what you get sometimes listen guys what do you think about a trade centered on claxton and siakam <laughs> i love claxton but pascal is more of what we need. I, I think there's just i'm just highlighting this one quickly here because i think it falls into the same bag where you're, you're getting a guy that's older 
you're getting a guy that's going to cost you something to keep around. And I, I, this wouldn't be something that I would do, especially even if you thought, even if you were going to entertain this, it'd have to be predicated on a hundred percent healthy team with Ben Simmons playing really good basketball right now. Ben Simmons is injured and a non-factor. So I just can't um, explore those. I like Pascal Siakam, but I just, I, I like him better going to a championship win now team this season than coming to Brooklyn. Uh, let's hit up. Ooh, another frequent flyer, Jean Ramey. Uh, if the Nets get a good trade from another team for Claxton, let's just keep these trades and Claxton things rolling. Uh, should they trade him? Let's say Dallas, for example. Dallas has Derek Lively. I know he's a rookie, but he's already starting to show some of the defensive things as to why he was drafted. Go check out um, Rafael Barlow did a great job breaking down his game and why he liked him a lot. I don't. I wouldn't see. Do you, do you disagree that I wouldn't see Dallas being the team that would make a a really big offer for Nick Claxton? Uh, I think they would probably would have been in the mix if they hadn't drafted lively. I, yeah. I think they're, they're, they are interesting though, because they like, I wonder if they get to a point where like, I mean, right now, so Dallas is 10 and six right now. So I do wonder if they get to the point where at the trade deadline, they're like, Hey, we actually are really good and we like lively, but He's like just too raw for like where we think we're going now, <laughs> right? And so or I can't I can go see deep a, playoff run with lively in a prominent maybe not, role, maybe but. not, right? And where it's like, and Claxton is like sort of a f- getting close to a finished product here. And I don't think they would do it. It's interesting that well, I don't know if you saw, but Mark Cuban just sold uh, a minority stake in in the Mavericks today. Um, I know, so and, I don't know. And, and peek behind the curtain, Doug and I were really close to buying in on that one, but we yeah, brutal beat, brutal beat. But uh, yeah. So anyway, no, I think it's interesting. I think like if they hadn't drafted lively, I would say they would be a really big candidate to want to go for this. I, I'm yeah. not sure if I would, I, I think it, to, to consider trading Claxton, you have to be a major haul. I'm not sure like a package around like lively gets it done, right? Frankly. And then that's already have some, some Dallas draft picks here with the thing. So I don't think this is like totally likely. I do wonder as we get down toward the nitty gritty where, I don't think they're going to do it because this is not an organization that I think anymore is going to take swings like this, especially with young guys. I, I just think mm-hmm. that the Nets are going to be really uh, vanilla around their moves, and that's just not going to be the kind of move they make. I, I think the strong betting odds are just them re-signing Claxton because it like feels good and like you know he's he's easy to root for and like that stuff. And it wouldn't necessarily be wrong. I just don't think that this administration now is in the do anything too crazy mode. Well, <laughs> right? okay. I just think, yeah, for better or for worse. The, I, I, there's a part of that that's not good, but I don't know. On the fun side of it, uh, if you did a trade like this, we would get Omax Prosper in the building, which I was desperate to have happen. So you know, it would be good to get him. Yeah, he's buried uh, too. I'm not I sure. Know, unfortunately, um, <laughs> listen, we, we can still we can still enjoy the prospect of it. But here's what I will say to, to tie a bow on on some of the Claxton talk. I, I said this inside the episode. Like the idea of should you take the haul for him now because he may never be more valuable and what he looks like on other teams and the contract, all that stuff. Okay. But given his age and his skill set, understanding that the Nets don't have the superstar guy. But if the idea is they're keeping all of this, all the powder dry for a big swing, maybe Claxton has to be a part of that. That that could certainly be a case. But if you give up all a ton of draft picks and you bring in the player that we say, well, Claxton would be perfect. If he played with a superstar caliber guy, well, you'll have already gotten rid of it. Like you have him now. And while you may pay like a little bit more upfront than you'd like to, it'll ap- occupy a little more on the cap than you'd prefer, given what the expectation is for the team over the next couple of years, three years from now, 
Nicholas Claxton will only be 26, 27 years old. Like he's still going to be incredibly young and hopefully his prime could be that little something extra. So I don't know. Like I, I feel very comfortable, like just re-signing him and seeing what the next move is. Cause you'll also always be able to reevaluate that just like with Mikhail, just like with Cameron Johnson, you can always go back to the well and say, Hey, you want to blow our socks off? Then yes, we will entertain these ideas. I just get worried about re-signing guys like this, that it's just kind of a, it's not like a needle moving move. And, and I get that the problem with being a needle mover now is that like, it takes, it probably takes being really uncomfortable, right? Like I, I get a little worried that the nets are going to be sort of this, just like good ish team with no real ceiling for like five years. I think that that is something. And I, and I think that kind of thing can happen when you don't, do something uncomfortable sometimes. And sometimes the uncomfortable thing is we might have to not resign a guy we like as, you know, or, or we oh, might have to trade some wine back Jared Allen, regardless of what he turned out to be, you move on from Jared Allen, you move on from Karis Levert. Again, these guys are not the upper echelon, but you make these moves to bring in stars, right? That was probably as least uncomfortable when you're getting Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, et cetera. But you knew the back-end ramifications, right? The uncomfortable is we're taking a swing on something or making a decision about something, and the outcome is TBD, right? Like, you don't have a guarantee what it translates into. Yeah, like, the uncomfortable thing would be, I'm not advocating they do this, the uncomfortable thing would be, like, we have we have really good assets right now, and we just trade all these guys now, right? And we just stockpile yes. a massive amount of picks, and we are bad for a couple years and we try to hit some real home runs in the draft. Like that would be, that would be the move. That's just hard to do. And I'm not advocating they do it. I'm just saying that sometimes you have to like the Nets don't have superstar talent on this, on this roster right now. They have good talent um, and they have some exciting guys, but they don't have, they have nothing close to a superstar. And if you're, I mean, not anywhere close to a superstar. So if you are trying to win the championship, the Nets are years and years and years away from that with like a weird path to getting there that I don't totally see. So yeah. that's, that's all I'm saying about that. Let's dive in on frequent flyer, Jared Williams. We're gonna say this about everybody because you are the guys that show up for our post podcast podcast. I think this is a, this is a good one just because I think our response is predicated on something other than the, the skill set of a Ben Simmons. If healthy are the Brooklyn Nets better off without Ben Simmons. My answer is yes. Based on the data. He gets injured too much, which makes him unreliable, which means you're always trying to prepare for the potential of what he looks like on the team versus what the team is without him. And by percentage, you're without him more than you're with him. Oh, yeah. I mean, if Sean Marks could, like, punt his contract into the ocean right now, he would do it, I, like, without even thinking about it, right? right. I, it's just, like, not even a question. It's not even. It's not, that's, that's probably the easiest way to answer it, right? Are they better off without him? Well, would they would they get rid of him if they could right now? Yes. Well, the, if the money's attached to it, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. they would do it in a heartbeat. It's like they wouldn't even think they would if they somewhere a clause went through where you could just like the amnesty clause or something like that went through again. They would do it without even thinking. I I can say that pretty firmly. I think, but you know, are they better off without him? I mean, just from a basketball standpoint, I'd love to have him back right now. He fills a lot of holes, even with the even with the sort of holes in his game. He fills a lot of things that the team could really use right now. I wish he could play for 40 straight games or something, get really comfortable and and start to work on some of these things. I just it's hard to see it happening. But you and you would though, you would take the 40 million dollars of cap space right now rather than Ben Simmons back right now. 
I mean, this year I would just like, whatever, just if it's, uh, cause you're not doing anything with the cap space right now. So uh, like for there's, there'd be no reason to get, like you can't go out and sign a free agent right now. So like this season or any free agent you're signing for $40 million would be a massive mistake. You can get it off for next year. Of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I like, you know, just sign anybody, literally anybody that you knew was going to play the whole season or sign him back for the, the, the money he's worth. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's, right. you know, resign him for, you know, the mid-level exception or something, because that's kind of just where he probably is worth now. He's just, the, the contract's just so brutal between the, the lack of availability and holes in his game. It's just, it's, it's a terrible contract. There's no way around it. A hundred percent. A couple more here before we get out the door uh, from just tweaking. What do you think about the bench of Ben Thomas, Lonnie O'Neal and Sharp? If, okay. So assuming Ben comes back, obviously healthy. Like this is a lineup you're saying? Like this yeah, is he's a, saying a, like this is your bench unit. So your so your starting unit is is all the usual guys we talk about, and uh, then okay. this is your bench. I mean, I, I've talked about we talked about Ben Simmons and pairing him with Thomas and how that can be fun and effective. I don't try to see if Simmons and Sharp have ever played together. I want to say that they have maybe like for like five minutes, but I just want to look real quick. That would be yeah. While well, you pull that up, I mean that would be I mean likewise when you have Claxton on the floor for different type of reasons, oh. but. Sharp's a non-shooter, so you'd be let me let me guess. Let me guess. Overwhelmingly positive sample size on Ben Simmons and Dayron Sharp. Well, no, well, I said oh be, I, okay, so there's two not. I said oh because I it was 42 minutes, so that was more than I thought. Okay. Uh and then I did another oh when I saw it was a negative 29 net rating. No, uh that, but that's, no, that that's adds up. That math but 42 out. minutes is like too yeah. small. So whatever. That could like that could that could have gone. You know, it'd be hard to do jumping, you know, you'd be hard to celebrate around a positive or a negative number there. It's too small. Uh, I don't mind that. I don't mind trying this stuff. I'm all for like, try. I'm all for Simmons playing. Like he fits a lot of these different guys really well. He masks. I, I love the Simmons and Th- Cam Thomas pairing. Yeah, I know like, that, that one works. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. I, I, that's like, those guys are built to play together. One guy doesn't want to shoot. And the other guy, all he wants to do is shoot. Like that's, that's literally, you can't probably pair two guys together. One guy can, you know, guard point of attack. There are guys like, you know, getting better at defense, but still not good. I would literally, if you were trying to think of guys, to put with Simmons, I really think Cam Thomas would be really close to the top of like anyone in the NBA yeah. about a guy that should play with Simmons. Um, that's not really overboard. I, it's just true, right? Like think about the, all the things each of these guys does. Are like literally the opposite player in every in every aspect from each other in all the best ways. Maybe go so with like I Trey just, Young, right? Uh, well, no, I mean, Trey Young runs pick and roll. Like he passes, he got like a high yeah, assist rate. Like Cam Thomas, like Cam Thomas doesn't else. pass the ball, but that's okay when he plays with Simmons because Simmons doesn't want to shoot the ball. Like Sim, like he'll go to the rack. He can set screens. They can get out in transition. Cam's really good there. Like they literally are perfect, a perfect pairing together. It's just that they just, it's just, they haven't been able to do it. They have played Cam Thomas and, and Ben Simmons have played 322, 320 minutes together, uh, of positive basketball. With a yeah. really with like a one nineteen offensive rating, uh, it's just like it just makes sense to me, and, and it makes sense stylistically too. If you think about it, even if you just had never seen them play together, I mean, which we have, but even if you had never seen them play together, you would say to yourself, "Oh, I can see why that would really work, <laughs> right?" Like, right. I don't know. So facilitator, just, really- pace pusher, table setter, defensive length, size, Ben Simmons, and then pure you know pure score, ISO basketball doesn't need you to be functional offensively for him to be successful. Hundred um, percent. When you back out, I by the way, I just real quick backed out Durant and Irving because some of those guys did overlap. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like it was neutral. I mean, the offensive rating was one eighteen, so it's like awesome on offense. 
couldn't stop anybody. But I do wonder if they're like a little more built this year to like be able to withstand some of that. Like when Kyrie and KD were there. Oh no, I guess those guys wouldn't have been there. Anyway, I just I, no, I think they they're probably I think they're a little more built defensively to even like withstand some of that stuff now too. It reminds me of uh there's a great it's not a great movie, it's a really bad 80s movie. Uh Steve Martin, the man with two brains. He takes mm-hmm. one brain and he puts it into the body. I, I don't know if the science is totally sound on it, but if you could sounds, sounds, these two sounds, sounds like it works. <laughs> like, sounds I don't know. Right. Sounds like I, it works to me. I kind of heard all I needed to hear. I, I mean I, that sounds like it works. <laughs> Coming in from is that say corn <laughs> coming in from corn love train? Excuse you. You're our new frequent flyer. Don't ever leave the chat. Uh, uh, can you guys ponder the off ball screen? Is it happening? And I'm just not seeing it. Well, well, just real quick here, corn. You can't come in here with a handle like this and then ask like a straightforward basketball question. You gotta, you gotta riff with us a little bit. Uh, Doug, feel free to take this one. I'm, I'm getting off ball screening happened more. So the, the off ball screening that they, that they've run traditionally this year. Okay. So they run like traditional high pick and roll with, with Dinwiddie. Right. And they, they run that a decent amount. We've seen other actions that they've run this year. Like they've run, um, they run a double drag is one they like to run a lot. Right. Which is like two bigs that kind of pull across sometimes in like mini transition, two bigs kind of come across, uh, it's like sort of a double screen across the top, of, usually around the top of the key to free up like a ball handler or shooter. We've seen that one. Um, today they were running more, uh, sorry. And with Simmons at times, we'll see them run like pistol, which is like a dribble handoff move or no, sorry. It's a down screen into a dribble handoff. And like, you'll see like Cam Johnson set a down screen and then like bridges will come up, get a handoff from Ben Simmons or something like that. Right. Like these are some of the actions that you'll, that they'll run. They did run a little bit more of just, um, of pin downs to, to, so like Cam, Cam Johnson was right, right, ran a couple of pin downs just for, to free up Mikhail to like, just get their, their defensive assignments confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- we definitely saw a little bit more of that tonight. I'd probably say, I think I saw it like six possessions. I was not tracking it for each one. So I, there's, I'm sure I, I, I saw it like six times. I'm sure it happened more. Um, that's like I, I said before in the podcast, I think that's a really good sign for them to do it. I wouldn't mind them running, especially with Cam, run like a little more zoom action where it's like running. That's where you're running a, a shooter sort of around basically like two screens that are um, in the dunker spots. Right. Mm-hmm. And you see like De- Devin Booker will run this. Curry will run it like they'll they'll run these like sort of actions. And they and it helps if you have another shooter as a screener in the dunker because they can break out too. it's like hard to explain while we're talking about it but go look up zoom action and you'll see what i mean it's a little they that's do not run this but right. you need they like have a, a dorian finney smith to be a part of that with like a nick well he could be a screener but you really need a shooter like you really need like a good shooter like you need a good offensive player because he's the guy that's coming off it's re- it's designed specifically for good offensive players where they yeah. Like like guys like really good on ball guys because it's trying to free them up either for like a quick three pointer or for guys scrambling to help and then those guys can blow by them right yeah, like they're so scrambling out of like close out. and Claxton being those two players with no well sorry no it'd be like it'd be like like let's Thomas say Cam Thomas is running it and then Cam Johnson is one of the screeners because he can break out for a three okay so like right, you basically right. run a, you run an away. action where like he can this Cam Thomas Cam Johnson can be the second screen and then you have like sort of an option of like. You either run through the screens or you break back out. Anyway, I, I'm not. I, don't, I think I'm doing an okay job explaining it, but um, like these are. Oh no, sorry, sorry. I'm described. That's a floppy action. Sorry, <laughs> I'm describing floppy. Sorry, Wait, hold on. I I screwed that up. I was getting into Zoom 
uh, describe a floppy action. Look up floppy action. That's the one I was. That's the one I'm describing um, with with these shooters. So anyway, long story short, floppy action is something that I would I would like to see them run more, but they haven't been. I played uh, Where in the World Is Carmen San Diego on floppy disk on my original Apple computer. I don't know yeah, I feel stupid thing. for getting that wrong. I was thinking I was talking about pistol and uh, I got yeah. caught up in that. What I would I say is, I, I was the, the whole the whole thing I just described as a floppy action. The point being, though, is like there are things that they can do to be more effective with Cam Thomas in the offensive end. Last couple here, just really quick, just notes for things to watch about. Uh, There's Watford and from Habla, uh, from Watford and Simmons. Once want, wants to always attack and flo- uh, and hit the floater, while one always wants to pass it up. Again, like we said about Trenton Watford, and just seeing more of him. That's one of the combinations. You talk about bench units, whoever, where people are starting because he has the outside shot and because he can run the floor in transition pretty well. A bit of a clunky game for him tonight. But I again, Douglas, kind of, I think, falls back to this often. Make Ben Simmons healthy. There's a lot of players that could play well off of him and, and that could work well with him in combination. It's just that he needs to be on the court to do so. Dwayne Green, do you think Cam Thomas coming off the bench would stop Lonnie's momentum? I... Uh, Probably not as long as you're still giving the same type of minutes that you're getting to Lonnie Walker. But well, this is a problem with bringing Cam Thomas off the bench because these guys are hard to pair together. I was going to say, like, you do have to separate them somehow. And how do you functionally make that happen? This is why you should start Cam Thomas and kind of bring in a guy like Lonnie Walker. They have problems. This is a problem. I'm telling you right now, go make a rotation that you feel really good about. Someone's someone's not going to play. Someone that has been good this season or you kind of need for some role is not going to play. And there's just not enough minutes. I'm telling you right now, go and do, go put in a rotation thing. There's a bunch of apps that can do this. Go just make a little spreadsheet and give yourself 240 minutes and think about how players overlap. There's a rotation planner um, that you can go out and actually like make a rotation. I think it's, it might just be called rotationplanner.com. Um, but you can, I'll look it up real quick. But well, so here go and think. Because this is the problem that you're going to run into. And as you said, these combinations. Okay, either you're backing out Spencer Dinwiddie for the specific reason of, okay, score and he can run the second unit. Okay, fine. You don't want to give up size. And now Cam Thomas is in the starting unit. Okay. But, but you understand what you've lost the ball handler because you don't have Ben Simmons. The other logical one to me from all things being considered, who's on the roster, the coaching there, blah, blah, blah. Dorian Finney Smith, because you don't, you, you feel like they're not going to take Cam Johnson out of the rotation or Mikhail Bridges. They leave in Spencer Dinwiddie for ball handling and Claxton because he's your starter. If you take out Dorian Finney Smith for Cam Thomas, you know what that is. That's a very small lineup that is yeah, this be was suggested violently dependent on Nicholas Claxton to do everything defensively for you. This was suggested a decent amount when I posited this and said, you know, who moves out? And people put this that the Spencer, Cam, Mikhail, Cam Johnson, and Claxton lineup together. And my answer for every time was probably pretty good on offense, gets destroyed on defense and killed on the glass. Yeah. And yeah. if you're ready to just live with that and be okay with it, then then that's okay. But I'll tell you right now, that lineup gets murdered on the glass. No yeah. doubt about it. No doubt about it. Like they don't have no sense. But you can you can close out here. Anyone, and I, I think we have an episode coming up here probably on the off day about this thing, rotations, rosters, and we can break these things down a bit. The pushback would be. Yeah, well, they suck defensively anyway. What's the difference? <laughs> like that, that would be the, there, I guess. Yeah, know? I mean, but yeah, I would. It would be more. It'd be way worse. Yeah, it'd be yes. way worse because like the perimeter defense would be bad and the interior defense would be bad. I, at least now there's a few speed bumps out there, and we have seen that like the second unit and stuff gets really. I've noticed that one thing. I one reason I 
I do wonder about the defensive rating, and this is something I started queuing to tonight, and I and I don't know if it's totally the reason. They gamble a lot, and I'm wondering if like that's part of what they're just saying, like, hey, we have to gamble because we're just like maybe not great defensively. Mm-hmm. So they're gambling on like just different passes and or just like you know as opposed and 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 then it's leading to some easier baskets and i noticed it a little bit more tonight and i was just thinking i was like oh i wonder if this has actually been happening more and i have not noticed it and this is starting to explain a little bit about why the defensive rating doesn't seem to pass the eye test and is that like this over aggressive nature that sometimes actually really works out like against chicago when it looked like chicago did anything and they're being super aggressive and it's like it looks like they're in every lane right and they're just and it's like making it so difficult to pass. That version of defense lives really close to, oh, easy baskets. Right. <laughs> because if you don't get assignments, your, wide open looks. If you don't get your hand on the ball, then it's just yeah. kind of easy for someone. And I, I don't know why I noticed it more tonight, but I, that's something I think everyone should keep an eye out for. Is like the, if it's like the, if these like if they're making gambles, just even on passes or on just like trying to go for strips. When those things don't work you're screwed yeah. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> like sometimes. So I, I don't know, something to keep an eye on. We will, uh, we'll be back in. We have no basketball until Thursday night, but you know, that the podcast is going to continue right rolling along. And I think this is the topic of conversation roster and rotations with the impending return of cam Thomas. What makes the most sense? How do you construct two successful starting and bench units without sacrificing any of the players that have made real headway for themselves along the way. In the meantime, over on YouTube, it's very simple. You go ahead and you subscribe. You turn on the alerts. Doug also doesn't mind if you head over to your podcast feed, leave a five-star glowing review. He sets the high benchmark. Isn't me personally. He says five stars are bust, and I endorse that. And then in the meantime, you follow at Doug Nori, at Adam Armbrecht, and at Locked on Nets over on Twitter. We'll be back again next time, Doug. You're, you're done for the night. Talking I'm so annoyed that I, I just so annoyed that I did that whole thing about I'm never gonna forgive myself for knowing this this <laughs> calling this action zoom and not floppy. I like I was gonna. Adam already knows he's going to talk to me about. I'm going to, I'm going to complain about this for five minutes that I did this because I actually just know what this is and I've just used the wrong word. And these are the kind of things. Hey, look, this is the bar that I set. This is the kind of things that drive my drive me nuts about myself. This is why it's hard to live with me, but why you get a good podcast out of it. All right, uh, we'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. <laughs>